As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it's been a busy week in Broncos country. A lot to talk about tonight. How you doing, man? I'm good. And first of all, Chad, I'd like to say uh, welcome back. You've been sick. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Thank you so, very much. Feels yeah. good to be back. What can I say? Yeah, and uh, the Broncos, speaking of them, they crammed a week's worth of free agent activity into Friday. What a day in Broncos country. Yep, and we're going to dive into every last bit of what's taken place at Dove Valley. But first, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Those of you who have done so, we really appreciate you. You've helped us get over the hump on Twitter. We're over 1,000 followers there now, which is great. It's a great step forward. It's a great milestone to hit. If you haven't taken the time, though, to, to follow the show on Twitter, take care of that. Also, leave your creative review, rate the show, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, especially if you're on Stitcher, it's very helpful. But iTunes especially, it's a great way to contribute to the show in your own way, help us grow, help us rise up the rankings and reach new listeners. All right, so, Zach, there's been a lot cooking, as we've been talking about, and Friday was kind of a flashpoint day for the Denver Broncos, not only because they had to, you know, basically they were delayed by a day or two introducing Joe Flacco, bringing in Kareem Jackson and Juwan James. They were delayed because of a massive snowstorm, so we finally got the chance to hear from Joe Flacco for the first time as a Bronco. Now, we're going to go through and you know talk about all the different moves that were made on Friday. Three different signings took place on Friday, but before we get to that, let's touch on some of the takeaways from the Joe Flacco press conference. And one thing that he brought up that was kind of interesting, Zach, is we've heard John Elway through last week really start using verbiage of he's still in his prime. We still believe that he's in his prime, which has caused a lot of people to scoff, being that he's 34 years old. But here's why I don't fault John Elway for using that kind of verbiage, even though it's kind of increasing and raising expectations. The reason I don't fault him, Zach, is because if you think back, now far be it for me to compare the quarterbacking of Joe Flacco to Peyton Manning, but if you go back to 2012 when the Broncos had signed Peyton not long after he turns 36, okay, he goes on to 
produce four of the most prolific seasons in his NFL career. So for John Elway, who's we all know he loves kind of recapturing the magic and, and trying to duplicate what's worked in the past. His mindset is I'm getting a guy still in his prime. Now he's in Denver, just like when Peyton came to Denver. We're going to help him. We have the pieces to, to take that next step forward. He is the tide that can raise all ships. But he came through basically, Joe Flacco, and said it feels good to hear someone say that about him. Yeah, and that's what was going through my mind when I was watching that press conference is that Elway, and we talked about this chat at the Combine. We walked away you know, discussing this. Elway genuinely believes that they can compete right now with Joe Flacco. He doesn't think he's getting the broken down in his twilight Joe Flacco. He's getting a quarterback in his prime who won a Super Bowl and was the MVP. He actually believes that. That or it's the most clever smokescreen of all time for quarterback in the draft. But based on everything so far, um, 34 to him is a new 24. And if there's any position in the NFL that that players can thrive in the late 30s, it is quarterbacks. And if But if he thinks that he's getting Peyton Manning 2.0 and Joe Flacco – either in age or talent level, he is deluding himself. If he's truly pinning all his hopes on Joe Flacco um, and, and foregoing a younger quarterback and not having a long-term plan, um, it, it's not going to turn out well for him. And that kind of brings up a point that I think we should we should mine this a little bit because we've been talking a lot about how, okay, we can get behind the Flacco signing from the get-go if we know the Broncos are going to go hard for a long-term quarterback in the draft early. Well, I came out of that Friday press conference, I mean, not just the tonality of how they were saying things, but the actual content of what they were saying. I came out of that feeling like, always going all in. He's not going to yep. spend the 10th overall pick on a quarterback who's going to warm the bench when you know he could, he could draft a, a difference maker out of the gates. Like, they're going to get a young quarterback in this draft. I no longer believe, really, that 10... I mean, who knows? You, you, I just... My gut feeling is telling me Quarterback is probably not going to be the pick at 10. It probably will pick your round two because, again, Elway's a guy who likes to rekindle the things that have worked. What happened in 2012? Peyton Manning gets signed. Then he hedges his bet with a long-term young guy. Doesn't do it in the first round. He trades out of the first round, trades back into the second round. Doesn't even take a quarterback with his first pick in the second round. He takes Derek Wolf. Then later on, whatever it was, 51, 53, something like that, he takes Brock Osweiler. Now, the Manning-Osweiler quarterback combo, that worked out pretty well for John Elway as far as a front office guy, you know, looking at his resume because even though Osweiler warmed the bench for three and three quarters of those seasons he was a Bronco, he made a difference in helping the Broncos win the number one seed and thus get to the playoffs and thus win the Super Bowl in, in his own right. So I could see them, in other words, Zach, Following a similar tact in 2019, you got Joe Flacco, another Super Bowl MVP quarterback. You'd still need a long-term guy to groom behind him in case things do go sideways. Like in the case of Peyton Manning, Zach, it was, you know, we don't know exactly how his neck's going to hold up. You know, who knows? That one hit could totally ruin everything. So similar thing with Flacco. He's coming off a season somewhat marred by injury. He is 34. He's torn an ACL in the way back, way back past. We need to hedge our bet. But I don't see that happen until round two at the at the soonest now. That's that's my gut. Yeah, I mean, let me just say that I like the Broncos' move so far. I like the plan that Elway's had. But he's so adverse to rebuilding, he even won't even use that word. And he's going so far out of his way to avoid a rebuild that he's deluding himself. I, I just, you have to have a young quarterback on the roster. I keep hammering this point, And I don't want to take away from that Flacco press conference because I actually like what Flacco had to say. 
He said he wants to prove himself. You know, he still wants to come in. He wants to be carried out of the building. He wants to play that long, uh, comparing himself to Tom Brady in that sense. There were parts of that press conference I liked, but we said the same things last year, Chad, after the Keenum press conference. Elway was saying the same platitudes. Keenum was saying the same things. So until they get on the field, and I'll say this again, um, they can hold all the press conferences they want. I mean, they can talk all the cliches they want. He's still 34, and he still has to prove that he's quote-unquote elite. Because unless he's elite, they're not going to be a playoff team consistently. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team. They're going to be a middling team. I mean, if they wait until the third, fourth, fifth round to get a quarterback, and they're pinning all of their hopes on Joe Flacco— I don't see how any level-headed Broncos fan can really get on board with that. I understand what you're saying. I mean, he definitely, the whole team, including Joe Flacco, has to get out on the grass and prove it, you know, with their works, with their play. And I get that. But to me, and maybe this is the, the fan in me dating back to the 80s, this feels different. This feels more... Uh, chest out, if you know, as far as John Elway, cock of the walk type thing. Like he, this to me feels much more of a confident, excited, can't believe we got this type thing. Similarly, not quite the same, obviously, but similarly to Peyton Manning in terms of how Elway feels and how he's presenting it in the public eye. With Keenum, I mean, it was a situation in which we were trying to put as much positive spin on it as possible because he was coming off a very impressive season. But I. I personally don't get the same uh, feeling of energy, commitment, excitement emanating from Dove Valley last year as I do this year. This year it feels way more increased. It feels like it's much more imminent. And maybe a lot of that has to do also, Zach, with the fact that Vic Fangio is now part of the equation. Right. I mean, that's a far cry from Vance Joseph coming off 5-11. and 11. <laughs> So there's that aspect of it too. But look at it this way. I mean... Joe Flacco, we can sit and compare, and we've talked about it on the podcast many, many times, that you know, if you're really boiling it down to brass tacks, Keenum and Flacco aren't too far off in terms of where they fall on the tiers. You know, we talk about tier one, tier two, tier three. They're not that far off. But I will say this, even having said that, that at least Joe Flacco, I mean, if you look at body of work, if you look at consistency, if you look at you know, check marks on the resume, Case Keenum can't hold a candle to Joe Flacco. I mean, he has been an established NFL starter in the uh, for 11 years. I mean, it's I mean, notwithstanding the last half season of 2018, 11 years basically, he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. Keenum's going on now two full seasons of actually being the guy, starting quarterback. And even in Minnesota, he wasn't the guy, but at least he was the starter. And so there is that. Like there is a larger body of work, there is a larger you know, resume to draw from in terms of we in the media trying to extrapolate and analyze and push it forward of what we maybe can expect. And I look at it kind of like this, Zach, like here also comes Rich Scangarello. Now, I think everyone can can get on board with the fact that Baltimore, even under the best of times in under uh, John Harbaugh, was never known as the most creative offensive environment. Right. And I don't think you can pin that necessarily on Joe Flacco. In he comes to Denver, you got Rich Scangarello, who's coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And if he can get, let's just say Joe uh, Joe Flacco at age 34, if he can produce a season on par with a former undrafted rookie, one year removed from not hearing his name called in the draft, and I'm talking about Nick Mullins, if he can produce a season in 2019 comparable to that, with his body of work and his level of experience and the pieces that are going to be in place for the Denver Broncos in 2019 with better coaching as well, I think you're going to see the Broncos win a lot of games. 
But again, going back to your point, that's it still has to shake out and it has to come out in the wash. We have to see it happen on the grass. Yeah, I, you know, I guess I'll be the bad guy here, and I'll t- I'll look at it through a, a lens of a non-fan. I just think it's recency bias. Th- there is a, a positive emanation of feeling from Dove Valley because they knocked out the coaching search. They hit a home run with that with Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak and all that. They nailed their free agent signing so far. Uh, but Flacco was that critical piece, and I, I just I, I can buy into the fact they'll be better with him. I can buy into the fact that he's better than Case Keenum. And I think Broncos fans are so starved for a quarterback that they've talked themselves into Flacco being an upgrade on Keenum. Um, I, I can buy into that. Maybe 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, and seven, But I really just I, I find it hard to believe they can be a championship team with 34, 35, 36-year-old Joe Flacco. To, to say he's in his prime, to me, Chad, I mean, Elway has his opinion. He's entitled to it. I just think it's a very far cry based on what we saw last year, not what we saw 10 years ago. Yeah, I think we can both agree, the one topic on this that we can both agree on is that the Broncos clearly believe that Joe Flacco is a, is a tide. Like, it's the, the the buzz that's emanating from Doe Valley right now, at least, I mean, I'm believing it. I believe that they believe, is what I'm getting at, that Joe Flacco is the man and he's going to be the tide that raises all ships. Do you agree with that, that they believe it? Yes. They've nope. sold I knew that at the combine. Yeah. Right. Friday really hammered home the point. But here's where we'll really know. If John Elway truly believes and he's going all in because he believes Flacco is that tide, you're not going to see the Broncos take a quarterback at 10. Even if Drew Locke is there, mm-hmm. you're not going to see the Broncos take a quarterback at pick 10 if all the talking points coming out of Dove Valley over. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The last few days and weeks, really, are to be believed you're not going to see him. I mean, just like when they had Peyton Manning, they're not going to take a quarterback at pick 10. I mean, even when he was on his last legs in 2015, I mean, granted, you had Osweiler going into a contract year and there was possibilities there, but they were taking a quarterback in the seventh round, Trevor Simeon. They weren't taking a quarterback in pick 10. Now, in this instance, I would not be disappointed completely if the Broncos still managed to come out of this draft with a Brett Rippon or a Jarrett Stidham, or even a little bit later, like an Eric Dungy. If that happens, I think there's still the potential of a bright future with a young quarterback with some upside on the roster. But that's how we'll know for sure, Zach. That's how we'll know, you know, judge them by their works, not what they uh, say necessarily, but what they do. Do they take that quarterback at pick 10? If not, you know that Elway's going all in. And it's time to, as a fan base, if that's what happens, try and get behind it because that's what that's how Elway has has laid down his chips so to speak and it's hell or high water I guess 
Elway can survive if if pick 10 it's you know Devin White or Devin Bush or Drew Locke but if it's Drew Locke or someone like Jonah Williams and he goes Jonah Williams I don't see how the fan base would take too kindly to that you know maybe he's not sold on Drew Locke or Drew Haskins but they just have to have a young quarterback on the roster and I, I know I sound like I'm repeating myself but I agree with you though Chad the premise of your point they have to come away from this draft with a QB on the roster I, I can get on board with you know buying into Flacco for this year but beyond that, it's uncertain, and they have to have a guy they can groom behind them, whether that's uh, Daniel Jones or Rippin. They just have to have that guy. So we'll find out soon enough. So let's uh, move on and talk a little bit about, I mean, we heard from Kareem Jackson. We heard from Jawan James. Nothing really earth-shattering in their respective remarks. But afterward, uh, we did get a chance to hear from Fangio and Elway both. Elway talked a little bit regarding a direct question about pick 10 and he kind of spun and basically just said that, look, I think our philosophy has always been to take care of the glaring holes, right? In free agency, like we've talked about on the podcast many times so that we don't have to draft a need. We can draft a football player to quote Elway, which to me is leading again back to the notion that's probably not going to be a quarterback at pick 10. So there are going to be some options there though. And if it doesn't end up being a quarterback, the Broncos have a really good shot at getting a true blue chipper. And there's a few, we've talked about it on the show a few times. There's a handful, not a handful, there's a trio of players who are projected, or at least, you know, depending on the board, top five type players that could fall, including Ed Oliver. I've even seen and heard buzz that there's a possibility Quinn and Williams could slip a little bit farther than was currently or mm. was originally expected because of some of the, the need uh, and the compulsion of NFL teams trying to get quarterbacks and edge rushers. And then, you know, the linebackers. There was a great podcast over the weekend, I think it was Friday actually, that Building the Broncos dropped comparing the Devons, breaking down Devin White and Devin Bush. I wouldn't be disappointed with either one of those players, actually, at pick 10, so long as the Broncos get a quarterback early. And not, not just any quarterback, but if, you know, you're probably not – I could even live with Daniel Jones in round two. But if it's mm. a guy like Daniel Jones, Brett Rippon, or Jarrett Stidham in round two, I could live with that, especially if your first-round pick turned out to be Ed Oliver, who's a freaking difference maker and a half, or Devin White, Devin Bush, someone like that. Yeah, you give me Devin White in the first and uh, Stidham in the second, I'll sign up for that any day of the week. But it has to be that at minimum. And the Broncos are pretty much guaranteed to land a blue chipper based on where they are right now. I think you're right. The the quarterback derby is going to push some players to the Broncos board. And they can get Devin White. That's a difference maker. That's a day one starter. I would not turn my nose up to that. But if Drew Locke's there, or Dwayne Haskins is there, and you know White's off the board or whatever, you've got to think long and hard about securing your quarterback of the future. It all It's all dependent on how they interview, though, the pro days. There's still a lot to be played out, though. But to me, I agree with you, Chad. Round one, round two, at the latest, got to have that QB. We still have a lot to get to. We're going to talk about the signings that took place on Friday, including the re-signings. And then we'll get to one or two of your Twitter questions in the Mile High Mailbag. But first, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. So against all odds, the Denver Broncos made another I mean, Elway was moving some mountains, and we've seen now twice, well, thrice, how Fangio has served as a kind of recruiting lightning rod for defensive players. First, it was Kareem Jackson landing him. He talked a big time about Fangio being a deciding factor. And then Bryce Callahan. Now, it's kind of interesting, and I tweeted about this, but 
You know, I was one of the guys, at least on our podcast, I'm the one talking about Kareem Jackson. You're the guy pushing forward Bryce Callahan. I don't think either one of us really expected the Broncos to land both of them, and yet here no. we are one week into free agency. That's exactly what happened. Your thoughts on the Bryce Callahan signing? Three years, what was it, $21 million, I think? Yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty much fair market value, and I'm kind of tentative because he's coming off that foot injury. But as long as he got the green light and his medicals check out, I mean, you're adding one of the best slot corners in the NFL to your defense under one of the best defensive play callers with Chris Harris Jr. already there. This secondary is quickly becoming a strength, which and it was a weakness last year. The Jackson signing, I didn't see them together because they view Jackson as a safety corner hybrid. So they're kind of getting two players in one, and I didn't really consider that. I wanted Adrian Amos, and they didn't really uh, make a final push for him, Chad, based on what we heard. So they kind of viewed, I think, Jackson more in that dual role. But Callahan, Jackson, sign me up for that. Justin Simmons, Will Parks. The Broncos have no fly zone 2.0, and that's one thing from this offseason she's very, very excited about. Yeah, I mean, the Denver Broncos went from the cornerback position just being a massive question mark, glaring hole. I mean, you had Chris Harris Jr., a little bit of – optimism and Isaac Yadam and then just off a cliff. I mean, so bad that you had dudes turning and changing positions. That's how bad it was getting (laughs) at cornerback. But now the Denver Broncos, for the first time ever that I can recall covering this team, are going to field three cornerbacks in 2019 who were graded out in the top 10 per pro football focus. So you Mm. can see the Denver Broncos having Chris Harris on the outside, Kareem Jackson on the outside, and Bryce Callahan in at, at the slot. But what's cool about Fangio's chess pieces now is that all three of those guys are accomplished players inside. He can move them around, and quarterbacks and opposing receivers aren't going to necessarily know what's coming. That's a phenomenal advantage from an X's and O's perspective for Vic Fangio. For example, with very few exceptions, you go back and look at Aqib Tlaib's resume. Like there was the game, for example, when he was a Patriot in which he played in the slot and took on Jimmy Graham for a whole game and shut him down, right? But mostly you could pretty much count on if you're an opposing team, you're going to line up and play the Denver Broncos or whatever team that has Aqib Tlaib, he's going to be on the outside and he's going to be on the right, you know, if you're if you're the offense right side, defense left side, that's where Aqib Tlaib was going to be lined up. And you could kind of scheme around that knowledge. Now, though, you've got all pro Chris Harris Jr. and you got two other top 10 guys, all of which can play inside or, well, I can't say Callahan necessarily is going to be great outside, but all three of them can be moved inside, two of them back outside. So I'm really excited to see how Fangio manipulates that that chessboard, so to speak. Well, you know what I love about the Jackson signing? If he's a safety, which he thrived in last year, he can finally be that solution to the Broncos' tight end problems. They traded for Sua Cravens last year to fill that role, and he didn't really pan out. But Kareem Jackson thrives in coverage. He's a big hitter. Um, he's you know sideline to sideline player. He's he's very um, a lot of gas left in his tank despite his age. So that's what I love with Vic Fangio. He gives himself flexibility, and they still have Demonte Thomas. They still have Sua Cravens. Will Parks, who took a major step up last year, could thrive in the system. This secondary it went from being bare, like you mentioned, Chad, to being stocked now. That cupboard's full. And this 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 uh this back end is gonna be tough to throw on. So uh, based on what the, the plan that they had, 
I'm actually happy they, they passed on Adrian Amos because they got a two and one with Kareem Jackson. Then you add a, a slot corner like Bryce Callahan, who if he's healthy, it's a top five guy in that role. Chris Harris Jr. wants to play more outside. He'll get his his, his wish. I just think it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard to throw on this defense. What's especially crucial too is that Fangio got his guy that can come in and, and kind of show everyone else the ropes, right? Bryce right. Callahan played under him for five well, four seasons, excuse me, in Chicago. He can help kind of, you know, translate, so to speak, what Fangio's pitches and this scheme and here's little this and that. And he can be that ambassador, so to speak, for the Denver Broncos defense. Every new head coach, whether he's offensive or defensive, brings over that one or two or sometimes three guys that are going to help kind of transition the rest of the team and, sh- and kind of lead the way. And we thought maybe that would be Adrian Amos. After the Kareem Jackson signing, though, I was I was actually glad they didn't spend money on Adrian Amos. Right. And, I mean, at the beginning of free agency, I would have preferred Amos over Callahan, which we talked about on the podcast. But once Jackson was signed, I really... Could, I, I wasn't pining for the Broncos to go out after Amos, but Callahan now, I mean, man, they are set up. They are loaded for bear on this hunt. Yeah, and I expect the Broncos secondary to be um, ahead of the learning curve with Ed Donatel, too, coming over from Chicago. Callahan was one of his favorite players. He went on record and just praised him. Um, this secondary, with all the chemistry they already have, even with a new system, it's going to be hitting the ground right away. You know, it's And like you said, Chad, the cupboard is full. And Broncos fans, if anything from this offseason, they have to be encouraged by what Elway and Fangio have done, uh, you know, reassembling that championship secondary. Yeah, and it's kind of cool to hear Harris get his druthers, so to speak, because Bryce Callahan talked about on Friday after he signed that he's a former undrafted rookie too, just like Harris from Rice University, and he's modeled his game after Chris Harris Jr. So the the mentor and the mentee, so to speak, get to team up and be partners in crime in a newfangled no-fly zone at Mile High. So that was what took place as far as outside signing Zach on Friday, and then Denver took care of two re-signings, one of which, well, both of which filled some some significant roster holes. Just like we expected, the Broncos waited, waited, let them test the market, see how the market shaped up, let some desperation sink in, set in, and then re-signed Jeff Hireman on a two-year deal that's worth up to $9 million bucks. So mm-hmm. we saw some fans this was kind of lackluster move, but here's the way I, I view it as far as where he fits in in the future. Again, Jake Butt, exciting young player, can't stay healthy. Troy Fumagalli is a completely unknown quantity as it relates to the next level, but he's going to be healthy, ready to rock and roll in 2019. Both of them, let's just face it though, on the surface, unknown quantities. Now, Hireman, he if he proved anything last season, it's that if he can stay healthy, he fits in as a starting tight end in the NFL. That one game in week nine when he really started to pick up and get his legs underneath him when he had 10 receptions against the Texans and just looked like a beast on the field, that's the upside for Jeff Hireman. And we all know too, Zach, how much Joe Flacco likes to feed the tight end. That's kind of his security blanket. He likes to test the defense vertically. He's got to have his speed, guys. He's going to do that. But he also loves the seam. He loves tight ends over the middle. And Jeff Hireman, I think, could end up having a really big role. But the caveat, again, can he stay healthy? And that's the, where, the, the, the kind of point of demarcation, if you will, is that the Broncos had some other options out there still when they made the, the decision to re-sign Jeff Hireman, including Jared Cook at the time. 
but they went with Jeff Hireman. So all we can hope really at this point, Zach, is that he stays healthy. Yeah, to me, uh, all Hireman did last year was prove that he can't stay healthy, and he's still an unknown quantity to me in my eyes. I think, Chad, uh, you're a bigger Hireman fan than I am, and I think the Broncos overpaid just a little bit for him. If I had my choice, and this might be an unpopular take, I'd rather the Broncos bring back uh, Lacoste, who signed with the Patriots, and not Hireman. I think he just has more upside. And if they wanted a pure pass catcher and not a blocker like they Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Stated, I would have brought in Jared Cook unless his price tag was too high. Uh, to me, just Hireman doesn't move the needle. And I think, though, they're not done there. I think they're going to look in the draft in the later rounds, the mid rounds. They're going to look to add a blocker, an all around tight end because all three they have on the roster are unknowns. Butts coming off an injury, Fumagalli off an injury, and Hireman can't stay healthy. They at least have to have a guy who's healthy. So I think they're not done there yet. But to me, um, I wasn't too crazy about the Hireman re signing. I understand why they did it, but I think they overpaid just a little bit. Yeah, and that's one place where I'll definitely disagree with you on the Lacoste versus Hireman thing. Just because Lacoste proved when he finally, you know, was basically, well, look, we're out of guys. You're in. And he proved he can't, he's just nothing, he's a one-trick pony. He couldn't block when he was in and tasked with blocking. The run game suffered tremendously. If you go back and look at the, I mean, you had Philip Lindsay on a tear and then all of a sudden you got Matt Lacoste in there being asked to block and things just went sideways. And that was, wasn't the only reason, obviously. There's a well, lot the O-line was injured, too. O-line was banged up. Teams weren't... Uh, stacking the box. They were stacking the box. They were respecting it. So there were other factors there. But to me, Matt, Matt Lacoste was... He's at best, in my eyes, a number two. And he's just an F tight end that you can move around the formation and have him run routes. And it's not that Jeff Hireman's some great blocker, because like if you compare him to Virgil Green, for example, he doesn't hold a candle. But he did learn from Virgil Green on how to block. And he is immediately, once he was re-signed, the best blocking tight end on the roster. So we know that Rich Scangarello, he's going to run the ball. He's going to implement the the stretch or the, the the zone scheme inside outside zone and so there's going to be a, a an a emphasis on the tight end being able to block in line so you got to have someone who at least has some experience and some acumen sticking their head in there and blocking a guy and Hireman gives them a better upside but it was interesting Zach your guy signed with the New England Patriots which yep. they see something in him they do, and if Belichick sees something in you, then obviously he puts something on tape. And I, Chad, that's valid points that you make. I just think if they want a guy who knows the system or has been in the system, and they could have saved some money and brought back Lacoste and, and banked on his upside. So I agree, disagree. I just think they're not done yet. That's all. And I if they agree. wanted a, a blocker, they could have got Darren Fells, who played in Baltimore. Right. So um, I just think in the draft, they're going to look for a big body all-around tight end to throw in that group. Yeah, and there's a couple of really good ones at Iowa that they might That's right. have a shot at at some point. Number 10. Time. Because even if the Broncos, this is one thing Elway talked about on Friday is, you know, everyone's focused on pick 10 for good reason, but we've got really high picks in rounds two and three as well. So we're really excited about That's what true. we can do to basically, I'm paraphrasing him, you know, reload the roster again in 2010, or 2019, excuse me. So who knows, maybe one of those 
round two, round three picks will end up being a difference-making tight end that they can groom. But I think another thing, and we'll move on from this subject, I think we've minded about as much as can be, is I think there was some sense of some unfinished business there in the mind of Elway and the Broncos, being that Hireman's a former third-round pick of the team, not that Agreed. far removed, and only Agreed. had one year, not even a full year as a starter. Okay. So that, I'm sure, played a role. But they also filled another... Well, I, I wouldn't call it a massive roster hole because they have Shelby Harris coming back on an RFA tender, but they needed that behemoth in the middle that Vic Fangio likes at nose tackle, and so they re-signed Zach Kerr two years. We don't know the terms yet exactly. I haven't seen the terms yet released on what his deal was, but he talked about Vic Fangio obviously being a big reason when he considered all his options out there to re-sign in Denver, but also the the to stick around and finish kind of what he started and to, and to stay under the, the wing, so to speak, of Bill Kalar. Yeah, I was expecting the Broncos to bring back either Kerr or Pecco just to fill, like you said, Chad, that run-stuffing role in Fangio's 3-4. And I understand why that went with Kerr. He's younger, uh, potentially more upside, and they're going to rotate there. You know, Based on the front and the down and distance and the opponent, they're going to have Shelby Harris at the nose. They're going to have Kerr. Uh, they'll probably draft someone. So I like the re-signing. I think that was a smart move. They just need depth at this point. They don't really have any big bodies on the roster. So uh, he was a good player against the run the last couple seasons. And another guy, Chad, like I'll say, Mm -hmm. if he can do decently with Vance Joseph, I look forward to what he can do with Vic Fangio. Yes. It probably spells curtains for Domita Pecco, though, as far as a possibility of being brought back. I think it would have came down to him or Kerr in terms of re-signing one of the guys and ended up being the younger guy. So, you know, happy trails, I think, officially, you can say now to Doma Topeco. Don't be surprised if he follows his guy Vance down to Arizona. Um, Mm. But let's run through real quick, and then we'll grab one or two questions from the mailbag. What departures the Broncos have suffered over the last week? Most of you know these, but just for the sake of being thorough, Zach, I'll run through these and and give me a a quick take on each one. Matt Paradis, of course. Broncos offered him only one-year deal. They were really concerned with his ankle. He signed a three-year, $27 million contract with the Carolina Panthers. He's gone. I'm really torn on this one, Chad, because he fell way short of his goal of becoming the NFL's richest center, and I think nine mil a year was doable for him. But if Elway, he mentioned at the combine, we looked at each other when he said that about his, his ankle. We said it's not that serious. It was just a fibula fracture, but maybe tests showed there's something worse there, maybe long-term ligament damage. Mm-hmm. They had their, their apprehension, and I understand why they moved on. They can save some money with McGovern who looked pretty good in that role. I just was a big Paradis fan, and I'm happy he got his payday because I think he's deserved it with what he's done so far. They also lost Bradley Roby, kind of like two ships passing in the night. You had Kareem Jackson going to Denver while Roby signed a one-year deal, $10 million, with the Houston Texans, and he's said publicly since he very much recognizes it's a kind of prove-it type of deal, and he wants to still be able to cash in on, a, on the open market while he's still young next year. Yeah, and he, he also said the Broncos didn't want him, and he sounded like he had some hurt feelings that they wanted Kareem Jackson. But, you know, he didn't perform well last year, and they had an upgrade there. I think he did pretty well for himself, though, getting $10 million for a one-year deal. He'll hit the open market next offseason, can get cashed in on a multi-year deal. And happy trails. He was, yeah. you know, decent in Denver, but it's time to move on. Billy Turner, this one kind of broke my heart, signed a four-year, $28 million deal with the Green Bay Packers. We do know the Broncos tried to bring Turner back, but when the price tag skyrocketed, Elway just pumped the brakes and let him go. I think it was either Turner and Valdir or Juwan James. And if it came down to that, I'll take Juwan James. The Packers were paying Turner like a starter. 
And I don't really know, based on what I saw him in Miami, if he's starting material. Great swing lineman, but for, for that money, I can see why the Broncos moved on. Max Garcia, former so four, uh, fourth-round pick of the Broncos in 2015. Max Garcia followed our boy Vance Joseph down to <laughs> Arizona. One-year deal worth up to $3 million, which I think was generous because he is coming off an ACL and it mm-hmm. was suffered about halfway-ish through the season. So he's no guarantee to be available week one. But I think that's uh, his former head coach looking out for him a little bit. Plus former line coach Sean Kugler, who Ooh, holds the true. same that's position true. with the Cardinals now. Yeah, I mean, it's a good landing spot for Garcia, but I don't think any Broncos fan is missing him. We already talked about Matt Lacoste, but he got a two-year $2.8 million deal. So it's not exactly bringing home the bacon, but it still is a massive raise over what he's earned as a – kind of bubble guy. He even talked about after the fact that he's always been the 53rd guy on the roster throughout his NFL career. And even though the Patriots gave him a little dough, there's no guarantee that that being the 53 guy is going to change because the Patriots are very known for signing people in the offseason on these under-the-radar type of deals. And then you're going through the the transaction wire on you know September 1 or whatever, and they're cutting people they just signed. So hopefully he can get there, though, and, and hang and, and prove some worth for Tom Brady. Yeah, there's no guarantee he's going to make the roster, but I thought it was a nice little payday for a guy who wasn't even on an active roster until last season. Yep. And he just he looks and sounds like someone who would thrive with the Patriots, doesn't he? Matt Lacoste, he just sounds like a, a Belichick guy. So I, I could see him actually carving out a nice little role there, especially with Gronk, future always up in the air. Now this one hurts. This is the last one, and then we're going to jump to a mailbag. A couple questions, but Shaq Barrett – is gone. Yeah. Signed that one-year deal, $5 million bucks, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know he was in search of a starting opportunity and hopefully the security of a multi-year deal. He got one. He didn't get the other. But if he can go down there as a starter and make some hay, there's going to be money for him waiting again in a year. I hate to lose Shaq, but I'm so happy for him because he deserved a, a shot to start. It was never going to happen in Denver with, with Miller and Chubb, but uh, he, he he would thrive there. I believe Todd Bowles is a new defensive coordinator in Tampa with Bruce Arians, and I think that's a great landing spot for Shaq. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays himself into a long-term deal. Absolutely. All right, so we're going a little bit long here, but we feel like you guys deserve it after we missed one day last week. So we're going to dive into a a couple questions in the mailbag, but first we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so it is that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag Twitter style because Zach and I are your football priests, and we pride ourselves on being able to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And this one comes from Jacob on Twitter, at BroncoGuy781, Zach. His question is, if we traded for Darren Lee, that's the Jets linebacker, former first-round pick out of Ohio State, if we traded for Lee, would linebacker still be on the table early in the draft, or would the Broncos shoot for a day-two guy like Jermaine Pratt from NC State? Uh, yeah, I think if they picked up Lee, they wouldn't go early because in Vic Fangio's defense, they can move some players around, some dimebackers. They wouldn't prioritize it. But I'm not a huge fan of Darren Lee based on what I've seen with the Jets. I, I wouldn't pin my hopes on him. But if they traded to answer this question, they would move on to offensive line, another another need in round one. And I don't disagree with anything you just said. The only thing I'll add to the context is Vic Fangio's specialty is linebackers. And everywhere sure. he goes – linebackers flourish so if you have a guy who's kind of underperformed throughout his career Darren Lee great coverage linebacker but he's never been that tackling machine the team hoped that he'd be 
you, all of a sudden you pair him up with Fangio, you might have something. And the same goes for the linebackers on roster right now with the Broncos. A lot of fans aren't exactly excited about some of the linebacker talent, with the exception of Josie Jewell. But better coaching and a guy who's coached a lot of all pros and pro bowlers at the position might be able to move the needle, at least for guys who right now are a little bit unheralded. So we move on here to Ronald Newman, at Ronald Newman Jr. 2 on Twitter. He says, welcome back, Chad. Thank you. Glad you're feeling better. Thank you. With the secondary taken care of through free agency, what positions, Zach, do you see the Broncos leaning towards in the draft? Uh, I mean, in the first round, it's got to be inside linebacker or maybe even corner, offensive line, quarterback, of course. And they still have holes on this team. They just saw they solved a lot of them. Defensive line, another one. They have their options, and they're pretty much guaranteed to um, tar- land a blue chip prospect. But they can go a lot of places. But I think inside linebacker, quarterback, and cornerback are the big three right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be defense, and I think it's going to be best player in round one. And then from there, you're going to see best player at positions of need. The Broncos take in rounds two, three, four, five, six, seven. But I think it's going to be a defensive player. That's not necessarily what I want to happen. I'm pretty clearly on record that I want the Broncos to do what they can to try and get Drew Locke at pick 10. But I just don't think that's happening. My gut's telling me that's probably not going to happen. And so what I expect to happen is a defensive blue chipper at that pick 10. Might be off-ball linebacker, might be defensive line, might be corner. Next question here comes from Juan Pablo, Broncos Brazil 1 on Twitter. Zach, he says, the Broncos got to get an inside linebacker in the first round. Can this scheme work with only a guy like Darren Lee and one of the other starters? Now, why all of a sudden Darren Lee is on the topics, uh, on the minds of everyone in Broncos country? I don't know. He was floated. There's some buzz, I guess, right, that he's on the trading block. But he's not, not going to come in and save your franchise, even with the quality coaching of Vic Fangio. I was going to say, I don't know where Darren Lee came from. Is he because he's underperformed in New York and Broncos fans? Are, I, don't, I don't know where Darren Lee came from. But if you trade for him, you're also taking on his contract. He was a first-round pick. So, yeah. you know, there's other things to consider. That's a great point you made, Chad, about Fangio obviously uh, succeeding with linebackers. If there's anyone in the NFL who can get something out of Darren Lee, I guess it would be Fangio. I just, if given a choice, I mean, give me Devin Bush or Devin White and, yeah. instead of uh, Darren Lee. I agree. Lance Abeda on Twitter, at Lance Abeda. Do you believe quarterback is the best option at 10, given the fact that with the way this roster looks on paper, the Broncos probably won't be picking top 10 next year in the 2020 draft? So do you still think, knowing the Broncos won't be in the top 10 next year, do you still think quarterback's the best option at 10? I mean, we don't know that for sure, though. What if Flacco snaps his ACL again? I mean, anything can happen, but, you know, to answer the question... You gotta. I, to me, Chad, I'm on board with you. You have to think long and hard. If Locks there, or Haskins is there at ten. Yeah. You have to think long and hard. It's just gonna come down to if Elway is that confident in Flacco, or if he likes someone in the later rounds, or if he likes who else is on the board. I, to me, though, my personal preference. If you have Locks sitting there, you have to look at him above everyone else. Amen. Next one here comes from Sean Edwards on Twitter at Sean Ed, and then a long series of numbers. With reports that Giants aren't interested in Dwayne Haskins, smokescreen slash smokescreen slash smokescreen, could the Broncos go that direction? Also, if Devin White is off the board, isn't Devin Bush at 10 just drafting for need if you took Bush at 10? So, do we trade back? Who would be an ideal partner so that we can draft Bush? You guys make my drive to work great. Thanks. Appreciate you, Sean. Your answer for Mr. Edwards. 
Um, I, I, to me, it's at 10, Bush is a little too early, but we don't know how the Broncos feel about him. We don't know how he'll perform in his pro day and private interviews. If they need an inside linebacker and he's the best available player, they will take him. But you're, to, the, the question was correct in the sense that they're not going to reach for a player. They're not going to draft for need at all. Whether that's an inside linebacker or anybody else, they're going to get the best player on their board. I'm starting to have this sneaking suspicion, though, and you've mentioned this, Chad, that someone like Ed Oliver is going to be there for the taking, and mm-hmm. they're going to think long and hard about adding a, a top-five talent, like Bradley Chubb last year falling. And let's say Locke is off the board, Haskins. I just think they're going to have someone fall in their laps, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be a defensive player. But above all else, you got to look at quarterback, if yeah. it's available. That uh, podcast, The Devons, that Building the Broncos did, I think it was Friday. Again, if you, if you guys haven't listened to that, go back and listen. One thing that hit home for me coming out of that podcast, some great analysis, but it's that they're very similar. They're very close, Devin White and Devin Bush. In fact, if you want an immediate impact, you're probably better off going with Devin Bush because Devin White has a bigger upside, but it's probably going to take, he's not as pro-ready out of the gates. Not to say he's not pro-ready, but he's not as plug-and-play right out of the gates as Devin Bush. So I'm telling you right now, and I'm with you, like uh, a week ago, I probably would have thought 10's a little too rich for Devin Bush. I'm not so much feeling that way um, a week into free agency. Now, next question here comes from JT at Young Javen on Twitter. Do you guys think we will sign one more person in free agency, Zach? Um, if they do, it's going to be someone with a very minor role, a, a deep reserve Based on their salary cap and the money they have to leave over for the rookie class, they're pretty much done spending. And Elway kind of said that himself. And then he handed Bryce Callahan twenty-one million. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any major signings, mid-tier signings. If they add anyone, it's going to be a bit player. All right, these last two will will hit rapid fire from Joshua Lawrence. The entire Tyreek Hill situation makes me sick to my stomach. If true, I hope he never plays in the NFL again. Hopefully, the kid finds a safe environment to live in. Speaking to his the Tyreek Hill's son, I have to ask though, if Tyreek Hill doesn't play this year, does that change the dynamic of the division this year? No, because they still have Mahomes, and as long as Mahomes is under center, it doesn't matter who's receiver. It'll hurt the Chiefs if if Hill doesn't play, uh, but as long as they have Mahomes, and they have a good scheme there. They're going to be competitive. Christy says, "Can't wait for my Monday morning pod huddle up pod. Feels like it's been forever." Appreciate that. It'll be waiting for you bright and early Monday. This last one here, and then we're out of here, comes from Jeremy Kusich on Twitter. Sorry if I butchered your name there, at Jeremy, K-U-C-I-S-H. Question, with wide receiver number one and number two nailed down, who will take charge of the third spot? I really like Tim Patrick. I think he clearly outplayed Deshaun Hamilton, showcasing determination and an ability to leverage his big frame in contested catches. Does Brendan Langley make it past training camp <laughs> after moving to wide receiver? Is that? I actually wrote that today. I just don't see, no matter how well he did in the past, Langley, he was a receiver in high school, how he can take reps away from River Craycraft, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. And to answer the question, though, I think uh, Hamilton right now should be the leader. And this is assuming they don't add anyone in the draft. So uh, you have Sanders on the outside, Sutton on the outside. Then you have the battle for number three. I think right now Hamilton's in the lead. But I agree um, that Tim Patrick came on well last year, and I'm also a big fan of his. So it's going to be a good competition there. I mean, Tim Patrick outplayed Cortland Sutton down the stretch. That's right. And the problem is you're talking about wide receiver three on the field. You need that player to be very high in ability – in the slot great route runner great feel for holes in the coverage 
and that's Deshaun Hamilton. Patrick is a intriguing player. He's got a lot of upside. He showed out late last year, but he's going to be a player best suited on the outside, backing up a Cortland Sutton or Emmanuel Sanders, but probably Cortland Sutton. So you need a you need a savvy guy inside, and that's Deshaun Hamilton, no question. Although Jeremy, I do understand your praise. For Timmy P, but hey, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. We will be back Tuesday with another fresh episode of the podcast. We'll see what happens on Monday. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show and you're leaving that creative review. We'll talk to you soon. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.